Dan. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Welcome, everyone, to Have You Ever Heard Of? A history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. <laughs> Did you have a good Easter breakdown? Yeah, it was nice. I saw some people. Some That's actual good. people, some real people in real life. Yeah, I saw some people too. So that was uh, um, My boyfriend's family. Um, we played adventure golf. Very nice. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, he got really annoyed because I got the same points as him. <laughs> He's like, why you cheated? And I'm like, how could I cheat at golf? I guess there are actually quite a lot of ways to cheat at golf. But I didn't cheat, so I'm just good at adventure golf. I remember the last time we played adventure golf was in Bournemouth. And we'd been out the night before, so we were all very hungover. And just uh, feeling a bit weird. And we were playing it like polo. So we were like taking <laughs> and just swinging the light club with like one arm. Like croquet. That was fun. Um, a top tip for anyone going to Niagara Falls. Um, so me and Matt went to Niagara Falls a couple of years ago and it was so underwhelming. We got there and it was like, okay, it's a really big waterfall. But like I expected it to be like much bigger. I don't know. I don't know. We both like okay, cool. It's big. We kind of looked at it for a bit, got a bit wet, and then we were like, okay, let's go explore the area. So Niagara Falls is basically like a theme park at this point. There's no like roller coasters, but there's like surprised. There's like uh, a road full of like cool stuff, and the best part of Niagara Falls is the dinosaur adventure golf. It's like real life dinosaurs <laughs> with like yeah, like a, a mini golf, and it was so good. And I I'm so glad we went to Niagara Falls just for that mini golf. So yeah, hot tip: if you go, go look at the waterfall, but then make your sweet ass way to the mini golf because it's really good. That's one of the problems with places like that. They can never live up to the hype. Plus, people have gone over that in a barrel, so, I mean, like, it can't be that. Actually, did any of them survive the barrel? Yeah, I think that one chick did. I think yeah. people have, have survived it, um, but obviously people have not survived it too, so that's not a risk that I'd be willing to take. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite a strange thing to want to do, isn't it? Like, who came up with that? I'm going to go over... There must have been a first person. I don't know if it's that woman. I cannot remember her name, but there's a famous woman. Maybe we'll do her at some point. He went over um, Niagara Falls in a bar. I don't know if she was the first one, but she's like the most famous. She's like everywhere in Niagara Falls. What like gave her the... Like, why would you think that that was a good idea? Like, it's not not... It's not like comfortable. It's not cushioned. You're just in a really hard wooden barrel. She's like, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to tumble. Do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> just one one day, she's like, well, it's like the guy, you know, the man wire guy. He walked He walked between the two twin towers on like a wire. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen that film, please watch it. It's called Man on Wire. Um, it's a documentary film about the guy who did that. But why that, did he think that was a good idea? I know, I know. he's like really into walking on wire. That's his, like, thing. <laughs> but jam. why was he like, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the US. Because he's French. I'm going to go to the US. I'm going to break it. Because obviously it's not, like, allowed. So he had to, like, do it, on, you know, but, like, secretly. Going to attach a wire to the Tutan Towers. And then I'm going to I'm gonna walk over it. It's quite impressive. With a pole. It's... Like, not attached to anything. I mean, it's going to be crazy windy up there. It made me... Want to vomit? I was so nervous. Yeah, sweaty palms. 
Speaking of tense, I don't know how I'm into seg- I don't know how I'm segueing <laughs> that in. <laughs> this is a segue, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, tell me, tell me about your person. Let's do some history. Okay, that's what we're here. That's what everyone is here for. <laughs> so this week, I am doing. I mean, possibly like, I think you could safely say he was like the godfather of the golden age of piracy. So, but is piracy it piracy like, like pirates like yar not? Oh like, yeah, yeah, dealing a DVD. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't just like going around pubs trying to sell, <laughs> sell like... you knock off copies of Finding Nemo. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of Captain Benjamin Hornigold? No, I haven't. Well, yeah, there's a few twists in the story. He's, okay. uh, he's a bit all over the place, actually. His moral, Pirates his do tend compass. to be... Yeah, and their compasses as well. Just their regular and ones. compasses, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, tell me, tell me. Okay, well, we don't have much uh, information about his beginnings, but it's believed he was born in Norfolk, England in 1680. Oh, an English pirate. So he's a farmer boy from up Norfolk. <laughs> at some point he joins up with a privateer ship probably possibly from king's lynn where he fought essentially for the british against britain's enemies during the war of spanish succession so this time britain didn't really have a strong navy uh, as it would later so mainly kind of uh relied on what was essentially a private navy so one that essentially funded itself through acts of state-sanctioned piracy um Britain's enemy. So in this case, the French and the Spanish. And that was a lucrative business at this time. Uh, so that, at this point, the, the Spanish were still in the process of stripping its South American possessions bare. So the old Incan and Mayan empires uh, had a fondness for gold. Uh, well, that metal had adorned their kingdoms. Uh, yeah, that was until the Spanish turned up and nicked it all. <laughs> so now the Spanish empire wasn't particularly economically savvy shall we say so while the, <laughs> the british and dutch understood that to make an empire viable you need to develop modern trade practices and essentially a move towards modern capitalism the spanish all kind of ran their empire in the feudal fashion as they did at home so as such the spain needed the gold simply to run things both at home and to fund its adventurism abroad yeah. so gold kind of like poured in while the spanish the Spanish kingdom just hemorrhaged gold at the same time. But what this did mean uh, was there was a steady supply of valuable commodities pouring back across the Atlantic. So that's kind of rich pickings for our little privateers. Um, but following the, the War of Spanish Succession, the privateers found themselves unemployed. The state would no longer pay for them to hunt enemy ships. Um, I mean, after all, there wasn't an enemy anymore. Um mm. And to make things worse, as part of the peace, King George had declared that Spanish ships were off limits. Uh, so this meant the privateers would not be getting any income from the state or from plunder anymore. So they're state all employed. Or plunder. <laughs> Bad times. They can't even like be self-employed. <laughs> Bad times. Um, so uh, remember, this is the 1700s. So employment opportunities were hardly in ample supply. And these were sailors who knew nothing else but raiding. So they couldn't even save up, like, sign up to the Navy, Britain Cullet's Navy, after signing the peace. And unsurprisingly, many privateers ignored the order and just continued to raid Spanish ships anyway. Yeah. And 
The most successful of these was our Captain Benjamin Hornigold. Hmm. What's his name? Uh, Benjamin Hornigold. Like Hornigold. Horny, like horny gold. gold. Yeah. Horny <laughs> gold. I mean, it's quite a fitting name for a pirate. Horny yeah. over gold. He's horny basically. for gold. Horny I mean... for gold. <laughs> uh, so he started committing what were classed as genuine acts of piracy, uh, what we, as we would class them, uh, around 1713 from a sloop named The Happy Return, which is quite, I mean, that's a nice name for a pirate so That's his pirate ship name the happy return i mean that and then like the skull and crossbones seems like a bit of an anomaly happy return and Mm, it's a bit like sarcastic yeah Yeah. uh so now he had bit so he had been a very uh successful privateer in his time uh and he carried this talent into the piracy uh frequently catching spanish ships as they sailed uh by the caribbean from florida uh, he developed a talent for using large sailing canoes known as periaguas. I think it's periaguas. So just kind of like sneak up to them when like uh, no one's looking and just board them. Uh, board, board the uh, Spanish galleons and just overpower the crew before they knew what was going on. Um, so Hornigold's actions soon caught the attention of the king back in England who demanded that the governor of Jamaica do something about it. The is this was, still Charles the Second, or is this no? Because he wouldn't no, have fired George the First. Old German George. So this would be seventeen fourteen. We're talking about here. So this would be right. Okay, so between Anne and George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so all those actions soon caught the attention of the government back in England, who demanded that the government of could do something about Hornigold's piracy. The problem was the Spanish had not been sticking to the peace deal and had been happily raiding British ships while the British had been unable to do anything in retaliation. And so... Uh, blah, 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 blah. And so the governor of Jamaica and a Captain Henry Jennings decided, devised a plan whereby they would allow pirates to raid Spanish shipping then capture the pirates and their loot, getting rich in the process while also stopping the piracy, but not actually stopping the piracy. So they kind of like get rid of the Spanish ships. Please Britain, the government back in Britain by capturing pirates and then get rich off the pirates loot. So that was their plan. Um, So this plan kind of like went well until about 1715. So 1715s things were getting a bit desperate in Spain. As I mentioned before, Spain did not run its empire in any way economical fashion. And so the king of Spain found himself in desperate need of gold. Luckily for him, there was a Spanish fleet packed full of gold mined and plundered from South America, all ready to sail. The reason it had sailed were warm, poor weather had prevented it from going before, but with the kingdom in such dire straits, King Philip ordered that they set sail immediately, regardless of any danger. Which was a mistake. Uh, the Uh-oh. fleet was caught in hurricanes, uh, creating waves that engulfed the towering Spanish galleons, um, and the much overladen ship sunk to the bottom, most of which is still yet to be recovered, still to this day. Though some has been found, there's like a crazy, I think it's an Austrian guy that managed to like find loads of it and get crazy rich of just like a tiny fraction of it. Yeah, must like imagine finding that. That would be so yeah, cool. Just, like, it must be like super deep. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All that Mayan gold. Um. So 
the corrupt governor of Jamaica and Captain Jennings got wind of the wreck and say, Jennings captured a Spanish naval officer and tortured him until he gave up the location of the fleet's remains. So like a lot of it's like the bottom that some of it kind of just washed up on the the uh, the coast of Florida. Yeah. And the Spanish captain revealed that this had been now uh, sat protected by a limited garrison of soldiers at a Spanish camp. So Jennings set sail for that camp. However, by the time he arrived, Hornigold had already been there. Um, <laughs> so by this time, Hornigold was largely in control of just the whole New Providence area. So this is like the Monday Bahamas. Um, he could also call on around 200 pirates. So he basically had a small navy of his own. Yeah. Um, after collecting the plunder, Hornigold sailed back to Nassau. So Nassau had once upon a time been a thriving colonial city and the capital of New Providence. Um, and it had also been the main base for privateers during the war. However, during that war, it was attacked by both the Spanish and the French and had been virtually destroyed. So almost all official administrators had left, along with uh, all the great and the good, the rich, all the like upper class had left, uh, leaving just the struggling, the strivers, the tavern owners and the social, uh, social outcasts, making it the perfect location for pirates. Is there, is am I right in thinking Nassau was the same place that Mary Reed and yes. yeah Anne Bonny were from? Yeah. Um, so upon returning to the base, Hornigold and his pirates partied hard, celebrating their success, only for this to be great gate crushed by an angry Jennings. So things got tense now. Uh, Jennings would have been cheated out of the gold it's out to capture. Um, Jennings also had his very own psychopathic attack dog in a man named Charles Vane. Uh, so he knew he had the backup he needed. Where he just starts some shit. Um, the two, there were, he had two problems though. First, the king had discovered the liberties the governor and Jennings had been taking regarding Spanish treasure, and uh, the governor of J- uh, Jamaica had been recalled to Britain to hang. And Jennings soon found out that he was on the hit list too. Uh, secondly, the incredibly honourable Hornigold commanded a lot of loyalty amongst the outlaws. So. Although Jennings was a gentleman by breeding and always saw himself as above the common sailor Hornigold, Jennings was a far rougher and far more psychopathic um, captain than the fair-minded Hornigold, um, which I, I would say most likely came from breeding and the experience that came with their respective positions. I mean, like, Jennings would basically get away with like whatever he wanted for his entire life, so he's inevitably going to turn into like a crazy psychopath. Yeah. Like a hard done by like Horner Gold, who's yeah, experiences I think made him a bit more humble. Um, so still the tension grew between the two men, and to de- to kind of diffuse this, to diffuse the tension between the two crews, Horner Gold declared the formation of a pirate republic based in Nassau that would govern itself independent of Britain with its own laws, catching freedom and opportunity. So according to the code. The pirates ran the ships democratically, sharing plunder equally and selecting and deposing their captains by popular vote. Well, this is the story that the Netflix documentary tells anyway, but the like the pirate code had existed before Hornigold. I'm not yeah. sure like how I think he did have like a big quite a big part like um in the formation of the Pirate Republic. But the way they tell it, I don't think is entirely accurate. I mean, mainly because there's no there's no way they could find any evidence to. I mean, it would be impossible to find evidence to yeah to, to, to prove that, like, 
just before the cruise came to blows, he he declared the fight republic. But I do think that he had quite quite a large like part in it. Um, I mean, essentially, Hordegold was the godfather of the Pirate Republic. Um, he would also act as a mentor for some of the Golden Age of Piracy's most notorious figures. So Edward Teach, better known as Blackbeard, um, was uh, his loyal second for a significant period. Oh, okay. Um, and remained so even after much of uh, Hornigold's crew had abandoned him. Uh, he also uh, mentored a pirate known as Sam Bellamy, who would go on to be much more successful than Hornigold. And um, yeah. So together with Blackbeard, Hornigold uh, went on a bit of a rampage around the Caribbean. Uh, and by 1717, had been, uh, managed to capture a ship known as a Ranger. So this was a 30-gun ship, uh, more akin to a Navy warship than a pirate ship. Wow. So, so that many outgunned most other ships in the region, military or trade. Um, so this meant the two could essentially just strike with impunity anywhere they wanted in the region. Um, so together, the pair were soon causing havoc. In 1717, uh, they managed to take a merchant ship that was carrying 120 barrels of flour to Havana, um, followed by a sloop carrying spirits and a Portuguese ship carrying wines with zero. I mean, bat flour doesn't seem like the greatest plunder, but that seemed to be like this, the sort of stuff that pirates would take. Just a bit of... It's just some, like grocery ships. <laughs> um, there's also a slightly bizarre account uh, that tells of um, Hornigold attacking a sloop off the coast of Honduras. So no one was harmed in this attack, and the only goods that were taken were the crew's hats, which were apparently needed to replace those of Hornigold's crew. Because during the previous night's drinking, Hornigold's crew got excited and thrown all their hats overboard. I mean, why not? If you've got the biggest ship in the region, why not just take on a ship and steal all the hats? With Hornigold and Blackbeard taking so many ships in the region, uh, in America it was felt that something had to be done. Uh, Something had to be done. (laughs) So the governor of South Carolina sent an armed merchant ship to hunt for the pirates. However, the ship was instead just attacked by Hornigold and only escaped by running aground on Cat's uh, Bay in the Florida coast. So not even the Navy could stop him. It had to deliberately ground itself to get away from Hornigold and his pirate buddies. Um, in the autumn of 1717, Hornigold and Blackbeard captured a French 26-gun slave ship called Le Concorde. A slave um, ship? Yeah. Normally when patches ca- uh, pirates captured slaves, uh, they'd basically just free them and most of them would end up just joining the pirate yeah. crews. So the pirate crews just pirate crews are just full of freed slaves who just wanted revenge. Yeah, totally. Good for Understandably. Them well. Get some of yeah. that revenge. <laughs> Unfortunately, um I, I probably will do Blackbeard at some point, but Blackbeard um Although he kind of he did first help like free slaves by the end of his career, he kind of like he had he had caught like syphilis at some point and was just going a bit mental. So he like in the end he like fleed free slaves and then just sold them back into slavery later. Yeah, so he's a bit of an asshole. He's really not a nice guy. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, during this uh, during this raid, uh, the two managed to capture. Yeah, the ship that would end up being the Queen Anne's Revenge from Pirates of Caribbean, the the Pirates of the Caribbean fame. Oh, his famous ship. Um, 
So by this time, Hordegard was in command of a fleet of five ships with an estimated total of 350 crew members. So it's quite a big fleet of folks that he's commanding. Um, despite all these successes, by the end of 1717, he was losing the loyalty of his men. Um, so it kind of seems like he might have had too much I mean, honour, maybe is the right word, but so all through his piracy career, he'd still seen himself as an English privateer and so refused to raid British ships. Uh, this was despite the pressure put on him by the Royal Navy. Ultimately, it was the same code that he'd championed at Nassau that would be his downfall. Because in November 1717, <laughs> his various crews all voted and the majority went against Hornigold's policy to let alone English ships. And Hornigold was replaced uh, as captain by one of his old apprentices, Samuel Bellamy. Bellamy. I wonder if he's related to Matt Bellamy. Probably not. <laughs> uh, da, da, da. Despite this, Blackbeard would remain by his side for a little while longer. Uh, the two returned to New Providence and he continued preying on Spanish and French ships. But time was running out for the pirates by this point. So with the vast pirate fleets hitting both British merchant and navy ships, the government in London decided... A concerted effort was needed to end piracy in the Caribbean. And the man to do this was um, was Captain Woods Rogers. Um, I used to think that was his like surname, like it was double-barreled, but it's not his first name is Woods. Oh. Captain Woods Rogers. Anyway. That is a very weird first name. It is a well weird first name. I kind of like it, though, too, in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um... Because I was like, I looked him up and I was like, why is it, why why is the why does every page just have his surname? Like, what what's his first name? Why won't it tell me his first name? <laughs> oh, that is his first name. Yeah, it was a weird <laughs> process. Um, now he was a badass privateer who had circumnavigated the globe in 1711, capturing Spanish and French ships as he went. During this voyage, Rogers was shot in the face, swallowing a part of his jawbone, leaving oh. his trademark scar. So you kind of like shat this out later. Like he was like, I swore it's something really hard. I don't know what it is. And then the doctor was like, mm, that was your jawbone. Um, <laughs> How did you not realise his jaw was really misshapen? Uh, so now everyone expected him to go in strong and go in hard. But Rogers felt a more nuanced approach was needed. I mean, after all, he's a massive scar face. Like wouldn't, wouldn't he just go in and just massacre all the pirates? Yeah. But he didn't. So after all, the pirates, the pirates in the Caribbean numbered a veritable fleet, and so Rogers decided what was needed was a little bit of divide and conquer. And so, as the new royal governor of the Caribbean, Rogers offered all pirates who gave themselves up to a representative of the crown the promise of a pardon. He declared that the king was effectively saying, if you give up piracy, all crimes of the past will be forgiven and forgotten. Wasn't this similar was... to happen? Similar thing happened to uh, what's her name? Not um, not like Anne Bonny or Mary Read. No, the Chinese one oh, you did. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah, very similar. Except she just yeah. took it and uh, yeah, and lived a good, rich life. Um, <laughs> and the first to accept was Benjamin Hornigold. The man who had been the godfather of piracy in the Caribbean, who had found the, the Pirate Republic, and who had declared it so in Nassau, accepted the pardon of the king, 
and the return of Nassau to the crown with all the suffocating laws that went with it. So what democracy meant? So in the South, this had meant freedom for women, freedom for slaves, democracy, opportunity for the downtrodden. So this was kind of quite a betrayal. Yeah. Blackbeard, of course, disagreed with Tony God's decision and took to the high seas as a fleet captain in his own right, increasingly suffering the effects of syphilis. Uh, led ever more violent raids on the shipping of all nations, including Britain. So he would be taken down later by like a concerted Royal Navy effort. Um, as for Hornigold, he perpetrated the worst betrayal imaginable. Not only did he accept the pardon, but he also accepted the king's shilling. So he was still a privateer at heart. He knew there was nothing else he could do uh, but battle on the high seas. And seeing as, in, as his income as a pirate was coming to an end, he decided to turn his considerable skill to battling other pirates. So that's right. The Godfather volunteered to attack his former comrades for the crown. Oh asshole. dear. Why did so he do that? Is it just that he thought he was done? And... Yeah, well, he couldn't do anything else. So he couldn't privateer because he wasn't allowed to, to attack uh, Spanish and French ships. Uh, he wasn't allowed to be a pirate because he'd taken the pirate pardon. So he was like, oh, okay, I'll just work for you. And just attack other pirates. Yeah. Just an income. Like a crooked cop. Yeah, exactly. There's only one thing I'm interested in. That's arresting bent coppers. <laughs> <laughs> um, for a year and a half, Horner Gold followed his new career. So Woods Rogers thought highly of him and even wrote to the Board of Trade in London to praise Hornigold's efforts. However, Hornigold only... He did bring some pirates justice, but no famous names. So some say he just did a very good job of pretending to hunt down his former colleagues, but um, or at least he was, he was half-hearted in his efforts. But I mean, he did get commendations, so he can't have been that half-hearted. Mm. Um, so yeah... Anyway, finally, Hornigold got his chance to become a legitimate privateer again in 1718 when the War of the Quadruple Alliance broke out. So once again, he was raiding the Spanish, stealing himself from God, having a great time. Um, but it was probably for the best that Hornigold would die during this period. Uh, some say he was captured by the Spanish in early 1719 and died in captivity, while others say he and his crew perished in a storm off the Mexico coast. Um but seeing as he struggled when conflict was no longer on the cards, it's probably good that he never saw another period of peace and the resulting moral conflict that obviously uh, would have arisen that would allow him to treat so many of his colleagues as collateral damage. So that's the sad end to Hornigold, who's such a virtuous figure, epic wow. figure at the beginning. He just turned into, turned into a crown stooge. What a bastard. Um, did he have any ladies in his life that you found um, out about? Probably uh, had ladies. <laughs> according to the documentary, he had um, a relationship with Anne Bonny, but <clears throat> I haven't read that anywhere else. No. So I don't know if that's, that is really true. They just uh, but I don't think he had a family or anything. He just, uh, yeah. He just, yeah, he just pirated it up. Pirated all it the up. ladies and the taverns <laughs> and the brothels. Yeah, the taverns and the brothels. <laughs> uh, it would be... There's, like, kind of a missing part of history in that regard in that there isn't... Um, I can't remember who was working on it. When we were 
working on our master's degree together. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, one of, it's either a PhD student or one of the lecturers working on there being a missing piece of history to do with like brothels and mm. how obviously like people just didn't write stuff down they're not yeah. like keeping diaries in there are they they're not like <laughs> no accounts books going on yeah exactly so there's there's loads of history there that like we're kind of just making up in a way because we don't um have the the sources to like back it up what we have is from the male point of view yeah just from the customers yeah so there's nothing imagine like a brothel in like this period of time like yeah early 1700s most none of those women could read or write yeah and their histories are kind of just lost to the men who they served or just lost in general it's kind of interesting because there's so many attempts at creating um, kind of dramas out of, out of that subject. Some of them are quite good. I mean, Harlots, despite the lack of historical evidence, uh, is a good program, I think. Um, is that set? When's that set? Around this period. So be the okay. Yeah, so I haven't, I haven't seen it, but it's like, yeah, I guess fictional shows yeah there there's a lot i mean even some history in from brothels is just conjecture yeah because they don't know like what went on obviously you can make like you can use some of the sources that you do have from the male Mm. point of view but you're never gonna know like what was going on with the actual women you that has to all be conjecture so the inner workings yeah it's a bit of a weird one. Bit that of a weird interesting, one. Interesting one to. Uh, we can add that to a our... figure if there's one literate. <laughs> figure, we can we can add diary. that to our um, time machine list. <laughs> they may be not like, you know, as patrons. Because <laughs> no. syphilis is not nice. <laughs> it's not good. Um. <laughs> Yeah, oh god, that's what I'm talking about, like, the amount of, like, diseases they would have had, the amount of, like, unwanted pregnancies, the amount of violence they would have suffered, you know, the shortness of their lives, probably. I mean, like, look at Oliver. Like, Nancy (laughs) didn't have, she didn't have a good life, guys. Like, it's not all song and dance numbers. Like, read also, the actual book. It's pretty grim. And that would have been the Victorian period. Yeah, that's Victorian. Years later, when things would have been... Well, actually... No, it's still as bad. In the 1700s. <laughs> probably worse, actually. Industrialization. Oh, yeah. The nicest experience for the poor. But people are still society. fascinated with the Victorian period because of the kind of... Um, Sherlock Holmes style, Dickensian style, you know, yeah. romance of it. But it was grim, guys. It was still really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> so <Nazi>. dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Look. one thing, like when I was learning history in primary school, I don't remember much from history in primary school because guess what? It's not taught like very much. Like, no. everything is about literacy and numeracy, which I kind of understand to an extent, but I do think there should be more history in primary school. Anyway, um, I remember doing cheaters, 
And one of the things that stands out so clearly is um, that they used to throw their, like, you know... Toilets out onto the street, out a window, and one of the things has always stuck with me. Like, and I used to have these scratch and sniff books, and there was one of like an Elizabethan street. Why did they think that would it was a good idea? Why did they think? Do you know what? We'll have like (laughs) the smell of just like poo, and like just love it. I mean, I did a history masters, so it must have really got me. But anyway, speaking of teachers, we'll be back to teach you some more history next week. Uh, and please do follow us or subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you can get that sweet, sweet week of history. Oh, yeah. And also follow us on the social media uh, uh, at you, uh, all Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you have, uh, have you ever pod? Yeah. And leave us a review if you want to. Five stars if you want to. No pressure. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.